nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled and freshly shorn edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... You've got Paul Carmichael and he's very excited because earlier today he brought a giant, giant bag of uh, roast beef monster munch. Ooh. I'm so yes. excited. I'm yes, so excited. I do like a roast beef monster munch, but I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm in camp pickled onion. Yeah, I know. I don't understand that. I'm wondering if this is a similar sort of BBC sort of Granada It's thing. a Catholic thing. That's that's my immediate reaction, is it must be a Catholic thing. Is well, there something about yeah. onions and Catholicism in particular? I'd say so. I'd say that we can sort of probably uh, use the onion as an analogy for our Lord. Um, I, I wouldn't say it goes, the onion, um, d- you know, directly plugs into Philo Quile, which is the trinity of uh, God, the Father, the, father, the Son, the the son and the Onion. Yeah. Uh, and the onion, yes, uh, the onion being the critical issue that led to the, uh, the, 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 the splitting off of the Orthodox Church in the ninth century. Yeah. Had nothing to do with Philo Quile, obviously. Thank you, Sir Mortimer Wheeler. Mm. So, back to Monster Munch. <laughs> yes. They aren't getting smaller. You, hey. you gotta, I, they aren't, you know, because people... What, the like, actual monster munches are the bag? No, the actual monster munches. They're a footprint, the, aren't they? Or are they meant to be a grappling hand? I always thought they were a footprint. Now, they yeah, could I be did. that. Or they, I did. I, I, I don't know. I, I, do you remember the, you know, the adverts were great, and they did look more like... They could be either foot or hand. Doesn't matter. Love them. Lots of people's reaction, I've discovered, whenever I've mentioned monster munch recently, is to go, yes, and they've got smaller. They haven't got smaller. Your hands have got bigger. Because well, I yeah, think... Yeah, that's a, the logic. Yeah, there's a golden monster munch age, isn't there, that I think we all come to between about 8 and 11, when monster munch is prevalent. Um, I remember eating a lot of monster munch between those ages. But my hand has grown since I was 8. They haven't got... Anyway, so that's just... uh, Strong arm hasn't taken uh, this one up yet, but it's it's coming to the top of the pile. Strong Strong arm. arm. Yeah. Is this uh, you sort of lining up the excuses for uh, shrinkage of manhood? My hands have got bigger, dear. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't thought of that, but now you come to mention it. Yes, it it, it applies. So so they've not got smaller. You've got just as much Monster Munch. But a much bigger bag. I love the big bag. Yeah. I I thought I had it with me. But have I I got it here? Hang on. I'm going to have to have a look and see if I've got the Monster Munch here. Oh! Core. Look at that. Core. What's it called? It's called a sharing bag. My ass. Absolutely a, a big sharing bag. Bollocks. It's, no, absolutely Sharing not. doesn't... Oh, no, they're a Walker's brand now. Oh, is that bad? Well, Walker's oh. being a division of Frito-Lay, the American parent company. Um, so if you go to Europe, you find Walker's crisps, exactly the same livery bag. Um, yes, I did say livery. Um, and um, they're called Lays, L-A-Y-S, as in Frito-Lay. Um, being in America, I don't know, have you been over to uh, the colonies? Absolutely not. No, I didn't think you had been. But when I was over there, um, they uh, have no um, rules about additives in their crisps. So you can get this stuff called Windmill Brand or something. Um, I think they're called, and they do a tomato sauce flavour, which you put one on your tongue, your whole mouth shrinks inside. And uh, it's crisps like they used to be, you know, before they banned all the stuff that made kids go nuts. I don't remember any crisps when I was young that turned my mouth into a vacuum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Monster Munch could do that. 
Fish and chips could do that. I don't. I, I remember them causing this sensation of oh blimey. That's, that's a, what I'm on about. Oh, okay, fair enough. That's yeah. what I'm on about. But anyway, we're drifting here. Uh, who made Monster Munch originally? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't got I a clue. I don't know. Um, no, I do have um, a contemporary advert. Would you like me to find out? I, I would like you to find out. Absolutely. Are we going to have a guess? I'm going to go with... Okay. I'm going to go with Nabisco or something. Mind you, they were a big company, weren't they? Yeah. Let me, but let me go look. Nabisco, weren't they more biscuits, Nabisco? Well, Mike's actually gone... Left left the room at this point to check who made Monster Munch. Uh, Nabisco, I think, made biscuits. I can't think of any other um, crisp manufacturers other than Walkers. Maybe maybe um, Tato. I don't know. That's the only other one I can think of. But that's Dublin, isn't it? So I don't. Sorry, know. mate. Well, I was saying I, I can't think of any other crisp manufacturers apart from Walkers, apart from maybe Tato. What? So, if you remember, I moaned about this in 1985. I do remember. Yes, IPC Fleetway uh, had the rear of the com- uh, comic annuals covered in a Monster Munch advert. There is no clue as to the manufacturer. Now, you see up north, we had Murphy's Crisps. Do you remember them? No, I, I really don't. You don't? Okay, we no. had lots of little crisp manufacturers, right? right? So, we had Clockface Crisps, which were in St. Helens, named after... The uh, clock face pit, because that was the face. And people from miles around... the monkeys, yes. Well, that's right. People from miles around would go there to find out the time. It was the only clock around, hence clock face. Um, So, common. Um, Anyway, clock face crisps. In witness, and I suspect I've remembered the manufacturer of Monster Munch here, there was a big crisp factory where they also made pot noodles. And people who worked there would bring you, like, clear plastic bags filled with the f- snack Golden Wonder. Right. I'm wondering if Monster Munch was a Golden Wonder product. Have you found well, out? I, I have to say here uh, that I've, I've done a little Googling. And Good man. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that the answer to this one, there's no points to uh, Mr. Livesey on this okay. occasion because it was uh, Smith's. Chris. Ah, Smiths. Who could forget Smiths? Uh, still in operation, I think. Oh, no, still they in operation. Be. Didn't they do it? And they did the one where you got the salt little sachet of salt. Oh, I used to get those. Where, yeah, in the pub, uh, occasionally, uh, I'd be left with a bag of salt and shake, and I could entertain myself with that for yeah, hours. Because in my head, I was, lacing, I was lacing it with poison. Oh, I see. I thought in your head you would be the man in the factory. It was like, and you would count the salt and shake as a day's work. Absolutely not. No. No. Well, my I can't mother, see Patrick Weimark, playing that role. Can you? No, no. I'd be the person. He'd have I'd... someone to do it. He would. Or on this occasion, it was Patrick Weimark performing as a member of the uh, British Secret Service who was trying to infiltrate behind enemy lines in 1944. Ah. A bit like Christopher Neem in Secret Army, but he was doing right. it by poisoning uh, crisps. That sort of scenario was in my head. Patrick Weimark is appearing in Spy and Shake. <laughs> And the Birmingham Alhambra. Um, yes. My mother used to put vinegar in with them as well. And they went all soggy. Yeah. Dreadful. No. No, it didn't work. No. That wouldn't Did not work. work. Did not, not work. No, I we used to make, that. my mum used to make crisps by um, cutting the spud really, well, not as thin as Patrick Weimark did in Spy and Shake, obviously. Um, but, um, hang on a minute, I've just realised, yes, that's okay, I've started everything, viewers and listeners. Um, it's all right, it was a technical problem. I don't have Patrick Weimark on hand. Um, yeah, we used to make crisps at home and then put Worcester sauce on them. Mm. 
Yes, they oh. were they were awful as well. They were they were nowhere near the wonder that you have there. The maize based snack was an innovation that we lived through. I mean, really children awful. take them for granted now. Yeah, absolutely. So Monster Munch seventy seven. Presumably, we've got a similar sort of time frame for skips, quavers. Yeah. Uh, Pardon me, that sort of thing. We'd have a similar sort of time frame. Late 70s, early 80s. Certainly skips always seem to be around, and they've always offended me. Please expatiate. Prawn. Oh, it's like, no. No, prawn belongs in a cocktail or a sandwich. Mm, I don't like prawns. I like prawn cocktail crisps, though. Really? My worry was always, how did the prawn cocktail flavour get in there? And I just had, again, visions. This is my, my imagination as a youngster of some sort of a claw... Always fear the claw. The um, claw. <laughs> always fear. Always. Um, which would just squeeze prawns and leak the juice out of them into the crisps and they'd wait for them to go hard again and then bag them up. That was my belief. And so because of that, I'm fairly sure now they don't make crisps like that. But nevertheless, nevertheless. I'm fairly sure that a prawn has never been within a thousand miles of a bag of uh, skips when they're being manufactured. I imagine not. So in that case, what makes them taste of prawn? And they don't taste of prawn anyway. They taste of off fish. Yeah, they taste of some flavour in the, some E number. I mean, <laughs> excuse me. Um, isn't, the, isn't it a line in Faulty Towers or something? There's, there was a comedy, there was a sitcom when I was a kid, which said about why they didn't eat prawns. And the line was because they feed around the outlet of sewage pipes. Yeah, I remember that, but it wasn't Faulty Towers. Was it not Faulty Towers? No, Do write in, viewers, if you If you know. know. Uh, P.O. Box, nice things. Yes. Victor yes. Madden Enterprises. Curse um, of Victor. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't. I, I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, the point is. Yes. No, I can't eat skips. No. Or out won't. of skips. Or out of skips. No. Fell asleep in, in a skip once, long time ago. But uh, I won't eat skips and that's it. Even if I'm totally wrong about everything, I'm not having it. What's it's though? A different matter. Completely different matter. What's it's are brilliant. And they do giant what's it's now. Don't approve. Ah, but that means they're getting bigger. It means they're getting bigger, but bigger is not always better, is it? Because then I've got to hold the what's it and just what, uh, bite and half And it makes your it. penis look small. Exactly, yeah. Yes, that's uh, it. But yes, but you bite half the what's it, and then I'm left half holding half a what's it. And what's then I have it, to... butties? No. Absolutely Absu not. Absolutely Chris not. Chris butties no. in general, come no, on. No, 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 no. Uh, I think it's the word butties. It makes me quite All right, violent. crisp sandwich. Right, what else is on it? What would you like on it? Ham. Ham and crisp works? No, no, no. We've got to add to it. So there's going to be ham. Um, okay. Light layer of sliced gherkins. Maybe okay. a little grated cheese. And then and then a uh, bit of iceberg lettuce. Crisps, bread. What flavour crisps? Ready salted. I knew it. Proper protestantsandwiches.com. It I'll has to be ready salted. What are you going to do with that? If you add anything else to that, no, if you add anything else to that, it's going to ruin the taste, isn't it? I can't have ham and salt and vinegar. That, okay. Oh, dirty. Cheap white balm cakes, hacked in half, richly buttered, right? Two of them with half a bag of salt and vinegar crisp on each, and the other two with half a bag of prawn cocktail crisp on each. That's all you need. And, and a balm is like a roll, isn't it? Yes, a balm cake. No? Well, it's not a cake, but okay. So, 
that one's always got to me as well. A bit like you know that that's got to me a bit. Which Don't the t- balm cake? Yeah, I don't know why. There's something that makes my back sweat about that word. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because there's certain <coughs> things where you, I don't know. I've got a feeling it's because I wasn't introduced to the Wheel Tappers and Shunters Club or anything because it was on ITV. So when people say balm cake, like it, it makes me feel a bit aggressive for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't can, know what I that is. I can understand that. No, I can understand that. It's like when I hear people say, I guess so, instead of I suppose so. No, it's like I look not. at them with murderous intent. Yes. Yeah. There's absolutely. no excuse. I blame the Fonz for that one. Well, we know how the Fonz is a problem. We've discussed the Fonz before with his we have. coming in and, you know, my confusion about him being someone who's escaped from his home. But I stand I by he, that scenario. I thought he was as well. Why was he living with the family? The, there was you he go. Ukrainian? <laughs> I mean, was this foreshadowing the current crisis? That would have been very clever if it was, but mm. I suspect not. I suspect it's simply you've got this simple boy and they go, yeah, we'll we'll take him in. Because that'll leave him to be exposed on a mountainside and die. Mm. Um, so they take Still him in. Still working, though. What, Henry Winkler? Mm. What's he doing? He must be. About he was in Panto at the Empire. Was he? He was. This is where it gets confusing, though, isn't it? Because you watch it, and I, I again, this was a confusion from my childhood when Happy Days was on. I thought I was watching a very old sitcom. No, see, no. I, I hated that. The double. The What was? And why did they cheer that? No, absolutely. Do you remember no, the cartoon? Was... Yes. I thought you would. Saturday mornings. Yes. Fucking hated it. Yes, I did. It was crap. It had a dog in it, a little Fonzie dog with the, the leather on. That's the thing, isn't it? If you ever want to bollocks up a cartoon in some way, what do you do? Right, we've got the characters, add the dog. Chuck a wee dog. Did, that's exactly it. And they, they did it with Scooby-Doo. They actually they got Scooby-Bloody-Doo there. No. I hated Scrappy-Doo. Well, if you want the apotheosis of, of shit in that regard... What about Godzuki? The little Godzilla? Yeah, I remember. No. Uh, no. Absolutely no, not. No, no. Why? No. <laughs> no. No, not at all. We're drifting we into horrible things here, aren't we? We are a little bit, yeah. Right, let's go for nice things. Over your shoulder, I see something absolutely lovely. And that is Mr. Ian Hendry. Mr. Ian Hendry, because there is intrigue in Lotusland. Um... 50 years ago, 50 years God. ago, right, um, okay. the Lotus Eaters began, it actually began a few weeks ago, um, they began, I think, on the 24th of April, okay. think, or the uh, 23rd of April, I think it was a Sunday, um, 1972, Lordy. and it's a brilliant series, it's just, I can't recommend this series enough, you've got Ian Hendry, magnificent, and Wanda Ventham as his wife, beautiful. And they live, uh, they live in Ayos Nicholas uh, in Crete. It's beautiful. It's on the uh, northeast of the island. Right. Um, and then one day, James Kerry turns up and things mm. are never the same again. To give you a bit of a heads up without spoiling the series, I mean, I could tell you about the first episode and you'd think I'd ruined it, but this is just episode one. In episode one, we're revealed to the fact that um, Ian and uh, Wanda have got quite a difficult relationship. Yeah. Then Wanda starts having flashbacks, which go into black and white, where she's just being slapped about and stuff like that. Good luck. And being forced to say things in a foreign language. 
And over the course of the episode, it's revealed that she's actually a trained sleeper agent for the British government. Wow. And she was given Ian, who was just an alcoholic drunk, and she was like, make him better, marry him, he is your fake husband, he must never know anything. They go off to Crete, and then 12 years later, someone turns up and goes, you're training, do you remember that? And she goes, shit, yeah, you're on a wow. mission. Wow. So that's that's that. so cool. I, do you know what? I'll, I'll yeah? just break in here. I thought it was a sort of proto-El Dorado. No, oh, no, 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 and no, it no. feels like it feels like it's gonna be, but it's not. And then, but the rest of the series, then you get this storyline um, about her and him as their relationship basically breaks into pieces because she knows she's got to do this terrible thing, and she's getting pressure from the government. He starts to lose it, starts getting more and more pissed. That's the underlying story throughout. But in each episode, it concentrates on a different couple of people. Um, who go in, in and out of the bar. So you've got series regulars throughout, but each episode will focus in on them. There's an old couple, um, but she starts experiencing hallucinations of scorpions everywhere, and she ends up smashing her husband's head in with a baseball bat. Bloody but the, hell. But the best one, right, Carol Cleveland from Monty Python's Flying Circus, yes. playing an American lady who's on Crete with her brother, who in one episode conduct a psychological torture experiment on another couple of people by saying, come along, come on over to the island of Spinalonga. We're going to have a day out, the old leper colony. And then they shut them in a house on this deserted leper island and just leave them to see what happens. Good God. Ian Hendry has to race against time in that one. That's that's it, 50 years right. ago. And okay, I'm sold. I am absolutely, go. totally sold. So, um... Where oh. can I get this? Can you buy this? You can buy it. It came out from uh, Double D Video. Now, God, yeah. I not the best them. name for a video company, unless they're selling gentlemen's erotica. Yes. I, However, I, I, um, they are out there. I had to buy Series 2 from Australia, though, because I couldn't get Oh, Series 2. So this continued. It does. It's all wrapped up in those nine episodes absolutely perfectly. But there's enough still there then to go, right, Series 2. What do we do with these people? And series two is much more one interweaving storyline of just six episodes. But that's just... You can demolish those six episodes in one go without any problem. It's beautiful television. Absolutely. And Hendry's... I'm guessing he's just at the right point in his career where he's hes not that sort of... Um, he's kind of in the Avengers. He's still got that sort of leading man dashingness about him. And then, obviously, at the other side of the seesaw, you've got him on uh, shit seesaw, by the way, if you're looking. It's, mm. It wouldn't do you any good. Um, mm. And then the other side of the equation, you've got the sort of Ricky Tomo-looking pissed guy who can't even say three words in Brookside. Yeah. Um, that was a so it's interesting, this one, because, no, you do get that occasionally. So what you get is every now and again on the film recording, maybe, which they, sh you know, they shot out in Crete for weeks at a time, Every so now and again on the film recording, the, the voice will go a little bit strained and you can hear the booze in the voice. Right. And there's a couple of episodes then when they've gone into studio and again you can hear the booze straining at his throat and the film stuff will be fine for that one. Um, and there's an interview on one of the DVDs with Wanda Ventham talking about working with Ian over in Crete and stuff. And she says that um, she got approached by Michael Bird, the uh, producer and director. Uh, she got approached over there and said, Ian's pissed again. Could you go and have a word with him, please? And she went, well, why is that my job? 
And Michael Bird said, well, you're the only person we can be certain he's not going to punch. Wow. And indeed, she was the only person on the production you could be certain that Henry wouldn't punch. Um, so she spent a fair bit of time basically looking after Ian uh, right. on the series. But it's a beautiful, beautiful bit of telly. God, it's Yes, cool. yes. I have to say that uh, I wasn't expecting that when you no. broke it down. Yes. Um, so other nice things. What have, you, what have you got for us this week in your bag? Uh, well, other nice things. Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, of course, we weren't around last week. No, no, no. And it was your birthday, dear. It was my birthday. Still got the balloon. Yep. Going 21 again. Off my students. Thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was the birthday. But then suddenly I got the most appalling toothache. Mm. Now, now then. I haven't, I'm not with a dentist because you're not allowed to be with a dentist anymore. You have to go no. on some sort of black market to get to a dentist. Yes, you and do. During, and during lockdown, or cockdown as I now think of it, um, I had a filling fallout. And like, God knows how many other people, it's like, well, I can't do anything about it. If filling's fallen out, let's yeah. not worry about it. And I didn't. And it wasn't a problem until it was a problem. Yes. Then it became a problem. So, um... Yes, yeah, so last week, uh, when we should have been recording nice things, I was on the verge of smashing my face into the floor to try and stop the pain. And in the end, I just got the tweezers. Oh, heck. I had so you pulled a... the bloody thing out? Well, I, I had to delve it because the filling had gone. So really? so the tooth had basically, you know, was open again. And something had happened, you know, been like that for ages. So I got the tweezers and I was genuinely in such pain. I thought, I do not care anymore. And I put the tweezers inside the tooth, the cavity, oh. and I just gave it a little wiggle, and then I just closed them, and I pulled, and something came out, and it dangled. Rancid meat. Rancid meat. I think it made it a horse. Horse meat. Yes, yes, part of the venison. That. That's it, yeah. All right, so it's stopped now, has it? Stopped? So yeah, there we I've go, got kids. one of them. Half Don't go to the dentist, two. do you? Oh, well, if you want me to have a look at it, I'm now, in my mm. mind, qualified. No, it's been so long, it is now dead. They x-rayed it and said, yeah, all the nerve endings are dead, uh, but we can't extricate it, so you need to be referred to a dental hospital, and that was about five years ago. I'm still waiting for the... Oh, oh dear, they've, they've, they've now restricted us on Zoom. The meeting will end in ten minutes. Woo! Oh, dear. Right, we're going to have to have a little commercial break then, dear. We'll have a commercial break in ten. What on earth has happened here? What's that? Well, ah, now, we got got unlimited Zoom because we were... uh, We're educators. Educators. Yes. Now they've decided that's not important, clearly. Ah, so that is what has happened. We're going to well, have to start having commercial breaks or recording via Monster Munch. No. Monster We're going to have to... Oh, no. We're going to have to rethink our strategy here, aren't we? Mm. Because they're not having any of my money. Who owns Zoom? Bill Gates or someone? Oh, it'll be somebody like that. Somebody who doesn't need the money. Yes. Be. Yes. They should be giving it us for free. Well, I'm, I'm, really I'm, sure. I'm outraged. I'm outraged. I'm disgusted. Absolutely disgusted. But, no, we will continue. We will so, carry on for the next nine minutes. Uh, exactly. And now, then yes. we'll do the scene. There we go. Oh, have you so, got the little um, countdown too? I have, yeah, I've got the countdown. Ah. 8, 53, 52. At the 51. third stroke. Oh, that's a, we could do a VT countdown. Anyway, to the right, so I got cho- nice, nice things. chockies. Nice, nice chockies. Uh, but then I also got, it, it was a bit of a BFI-a-thon, uh, mm. my birthday. Um, first of all, comes Out of the Unknown. Ah, yes. Uh, 
the sci-fi anthology series. Now then, uh, this has gone out of print. So if you want a copy of this, it's beautiful, seven-disc set. Um, I recommend you get onto it. If you go onto Amazon at the moment, it's 180 quid. If you go to the BFI, remaining stocks, 35. Um, ah. I don't like science fiction, which you might find strange, um, but I, I don't. I like I like British things with people mm. being ridiculous, but sci-fi, when it's Isaac Asimov or something, being all serious, I think, no, yeah. pompous arsehole, I'm not interested in you. So I don't like that. Um, no. But but I want it. So Yes, must have. Uh, it can go on the shelf next to uh, Not On Your Nelly and not be watched ever. Um, yes. So there was that. Something I have started watching, Do Not Adjust Your Set. Ah, very wise, very wise. Um, absolutely. Now, this is beautiful. Um, so I've started on those. Uh, Twelve episodes on there, the most they've got. Um, then and sadly, the recently departed Denise Coffey. Oh, who left us quite recently, yes. She did, yes, yes. That, um, that. Did um, She was uh, part of a show I did down in Bristol, and uh, oh, she was a smashing old girl. Her and Neil, uh, Neil Innes, did an event at the Bristol Waterside uh, nice. on Do Not Adjust Your Set and gave a talk afterwards. And, uh, yeah, she was marvellous. She told me all about being at um, Sam Beckett's 80th in Soho and being thrown out at dawn with uh, Henry McGee uh, onto the streets. Not Henry McGee, Patrick McGee. Oh. And they were thrown out. She said they were rolling in the gutter at 6am in Soho. Oh, proper. Oh, she was proper. She was smashing. And and, and uh, an event the night after, I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but anyway, uh, she, uh, she did a very, because she had a bad cough, uh, she did a massive cough and farted at the same time, <laughs> and, uh, and and I looked at her and she looked at me and we both knew what would what had happened, but I decided that discretion was required and I just uh, gave her a look which was I understand, and I looked <laughs> back at the stage then, and we never discussed it ever again. No, oh, okay. Yes, I think that's very nice for her. Yes, that must have been lovely. It was. <laughs> so it's a wonderful series. She's very good. She is. She's with David Jason an awful lot. She used to go on about uh, what was it, Captain Fantastic? He did. Yes, that's right. Yeah. In that, there's an interesting chat on. I think it's a Python doc, is it, where David Jason meets Michael Palin in the studio? Sorry. Yes. Cat. Sorry. Sorry. Attacked by a cat there. For Attacked. those of you watching. Yes. Um, yeah, there is. That, uh, have you seen that little clip? I've not seen it yet, no, because I've only done a couple of episodes. But yes, uh, I think it was shot at Wembley, wasn't it? Do not it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Re and, uh, rediffusion. Um, obviously, the house band there with the Bonzos and uh, Legs. Larry Smith used to say, "Oh well, Mikey, you know, on a Sunday night they'd ring us up and ask us what we wanted, and and you know, I was never allowed to answer the telephone. It was always Neil. And then one week I answered and said, "Oh, we need a, a petrol tanker, and and then this all this other stuff. And we turned up next week, and and it was all there." <laughs> he does for all this ridiculous stuff and they got it and Larry oh. and they were like Larry what did you ask for and he was like who's the boozer for media boy um, you know so um, yeah yeah and there oh. is a, there will be a further event so stay tuned Yes. Well, on here you've got you've got the little selection where you can just watch the Bonzo's uh, performances, um, which which lends uh, which leads me straight to look out. There's a monster coming, which yes. is one of my favourite yes. favourite performances ever. Partly because it's under rehearsed, Viv gets the lyrics wrong. Yeah. He's laughing. He's having fun. 
And it's the fact that nearly all of them are in blackface. Apart from Neil. As Neil always said, I was the minority. Yeah. (laughs) But there's no reason that I can fathom yet as to why. There's no... It's like a Calypso song, though, isn't it? I mean, it's it's sort of at the time of... uh, And if you listen to how Viv sings it, isn't it? Lonely, unmarried, looking for love. Time was passing me by. You know, so he's doing that whole Kenny Lynch thing. For half of it. And then the other half, he's doing it in his sort of Sir Henry Well, yeah, voice. because uh, I, I learned, I, I took elocution, learned to speak posh, and that's <laughs> that's when he changes the voice. I mean, they uh, were they were very clever. Mm. They were incredibly clever and incredibly undervalued for their innovation. Mm. You know, it's like no, you know when you're that, that age, like you, your early twenties, and you can just be funny and enormous and crazy. Well, not all of us are lucky enough to, you know, be placed into studios with microphones at that point. No, that's very. You true. know, were were Viv and Neil were, and they're they're all, you know, they're all off, off the wall people. You know, that's true. I mean, Roger yeah. being the son of Ruskin, uh, Roger Ruskin, the painter. Um, you know. The Queen has his paintings hanging in her house, is. Um, you know, so you had Roger, who was a proper artist, who made all the robots and all the bubble machines and stuff like that. And you yeah. had Legs, who was originally the drummer and ended up dancing. I mean, if you see that Elton John documentary, Elton's doing his first stadium tour in the US and the support act his legs in a pair of lame shorts dancing. <laughs> Brilliant. You know, so, so that was Legs. Legs was off his cake as well still is he's an incredibly interesting human being and a, an interesting artist mm. viv mm. well i mean the closest to a genius i suppose that we've had in pop um and mm. then you had neil who is was sorry um well you know we work a lot with neil so you know we can talk yeah. a lot about neil but neil's acknowledged as well and so within that group and then you got rodney it mm-hmm. was like, you know, the the sort of rock, the anchor of it all, yes. who, uh, you know, didn't stay up late, didn't drink too much, didn't go mad with the rest of them. But so brilliant. I mean, all those personalities and characters. And then you get, as you say, chaos. Absolute chaos. Dada. Absolute, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. it is, isn't it? It's, it is Dada, obviously, with the name, but it's Dada because I think I understand. In my own head, I've worked out to me what look out there's a monster coming so I've, I've gone down the symbolism route and all that sort of thing oh less than a minute less than a uh, so uh, boys and girls yeah. we shall be back with paul's appraisal and assessment of dada uh. bloody corporations always on our case right This monster is having his favourite dream. The one where Monster Munch grows on trees. Giant trees, of course. There's one tree for pickled onion flavour, one tree for saucy flavour, and one tree for roast beef flavour. Which is all very nice and filling for him. But not so for his somewhat smaller friends. However, while he's enjoying his dream, Guess who's enjoying his Monster Munch? Monster Munch from Smith's in three flavours. The biggest snack pennies can buy. Good, good, good. So, yes, well, it must have been a very nice birthday and uh, glad that you could join us without your toothache this week. 
Absolutely. No, but there, I mean, there were a couple of other things I should whiz through, including something a little bit special. Well, um, uh, beforehand, you were going to explain your concept of Dada. Oh, well, Dada. I mean, because the point of Dada is that if you go right back to the beginnings of Dada, Hugo, with his um, angular priest's outfit, if you have a look for um, his um, early works at the Cabaret Voltaire... Um, and nobody knows what these these works were. Was he attacking the church? Was it a satire on the wall? Nobody was quite sure. And the point was that it didn't matter. You put your interpretation on. So the lovely thing with the bonzos is you sort of explain it from that perspective. But in my head, I'm going, mm, or it's this. And I love that about it. It can be work. anything. I mean, foreshadowed by yeah. Jari's Ubu Wa, yeah. um, you know, um, must have been a massive influence if you look at the balm pots in that with the with the pointy hats and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, you've got that lovely link straight Hugo Ball right through to Viv Stanchel. And of course, these days, I don't think I don't think people are having fun with Dada anymore. I don't think people are having fun. No, there's a distinct lack of that. I but think we live in, in joyless times. We do, but I think art could change that just a little bit because Dada, of course, you you had the bonzos and things like that. These days, the idea of Dada seems to be attached to quite serious contemporary art, you know, oh, video yes. installation work and things like that. Well, you put your own interpretation on, but the artist thinks this. And can't I just see someone with a silly great big head on getting their lines wrong on Associated Brew Diffusion Television, wow. please. That, that, that line of reasoning lead, would lead us to the scene with Eleanor Bron and John Cleese in City of Death. Mm. However, hold that thought, we are still on Paul's birthday. Oh, um, well, yeah, I a couple of things. I went to um, uh, another Jean-Luc Goddard film. Um, ah. I do love my new wave uh, cinema uh, because it's not like films. They're completely different. Uh, yes. That joins... Uh, Band Apart, which is just... Oh, these are glorious films, uh, Jean-Luc uh, Godard. I hope you bought a box of Gitan to enjoy with it. No, no. Hmm? Well, I don't, I don't use shaving film. Well, French cigarettes, and well, you know it. Oh, yeah. No, you could have been actually. Alain Delon. Oh, I do like the sound of that. Yes. I like that idea. Um, so there was that, and then... Uh, now that I was thinking... A way to get the podcast noticed, dear. Yeah. Ah. If you watch, there's terrible Americans everywhere, of course. Um, and something that they do is unboxing videos. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Right. Where, where someone will open the box on Amazon and show you what they've got. And they didn't pay for it. Amazon have given them to it for free. It's just that an sounds good. No, well, it does, but they're always sort of quite young people going, hey, look what I've got, and I'm not interested, you shouldn't have it, and I don't want to see you having it. No. But I was thinking, I could do an equivalent with that, except it's it's not boxed, but it's still in the wrapping. Um, I got myself the Christmas at King's. Ah, now that's, uh, that is only spoiled by that Warner's logo. Uh, I know. I know it is, but nevertheless, so I've I've got myself that. So uh, I think maybe in about six months' time, I can do an not an unboxing video, but a, a take yes. of the cellophane off. Video. And you'll open it up, and it'll be a Rolf Harris LP. It, but be- uh, Christmas at King's, as listened to by Joan Collins, with the psychotic Santa trying to get in her house. In uh, I can never remember the Amicus film that opens. It's either Tales from the Crypt or From Beyond the Grave. Right. Can't I don't know. Not sure. And then, then finally, there's something in this envelope that oh. came, from, came from a young chap whose acquaintance I've made. Over yes, years. I'm indebted to a Mister a Mister Livesley, I believe. Yes, uh, for this. These are special. 
These yes, are very special. They are very special. Um, so here we have the 1973 yep. Radio Times 10th Anniversary Doctor Who special. Aye. Um Beautiful, beautiful stuff with the, with the old double-sided cover. Yeah, which go. has become a sort of thing, a trope that they've repeated again and again and again, haven't they? What have I opened the page on? Ah, yes. Hello, Wendy Pabry. Hello, Wendy, with lots of tape. Oh, look at that. What more could you want? Wendy Pabry in her mid-twenties and a shitload of magnetic tape. Beautiful. That, that's all I need in my life. Um, and one of the things that you pointed out, which is particularly pleasing in this, is um, in the corners. Mm. And of course, the, the corners and the, and the edges are where interesting things are, where you've got the lovely Doctor Who diamond logo in the corner. The diamond there. logo prior to its introduction, which, yeah. which I find interesting. Yes, it would have been. From a typography it? point. I mean, typography-wise and graphic design-wise, it's lovely. Mm. You know, the graphic art in there is lovely. The typography is lovely. But the Diamond logo, a full 12 months before its introduction in season 11. Yeah, hmm. in 74. That's Mind right. you, I it's suppose November 73 that will have been released. So it'll have been on the boil. It will have been. I mean, they've been filming season 11 for a while then, hadn't they? But uh, 10 years later, they were filming something else. And this is something I had as a little boy. I bought this for £1.50 from the newsagents. Yeah. The tw- the 20th anniversary Radio yep. Times special. Yes. Thank you. No, you're welcome. I mean, you oh. lost yours in a, a flood, didn't you, or something? I did. A massive, uh, great big flood um, about 12 years ago um, where the, the, the floors came through in the palace um, and totaled the place. Um, so I lost this. Mine was in very poor condition because as an eight-year-old, I thought the best way to protect it was to give it the whole puncher treatment and put it in a file. Mine's in terrible condition. Bits. When that arrived, I was so tempted. Oh. But mine is mine. Yes. And it is. No, I understand of, that. Yeah, it is imbued with the spirit of the childhood. I do, I do understand that. I do, I do remember this page in particular, um, which has got photographs of American fans. Yes, um, Hoovians. I, I recall disapproving of this page when I was eight. Yes, especially the goofy Peter Davison lad. Yes, and I also I... the um, the Madame Tussauds Dalek on the on the back, which you couldn't place because it was never in anything. That's right, yeah. So no, so um, but on the whole, thank you. I mean, I've I've been I've been a very lucky boy. Um, you have. Well, I tell you, you're really lucky that they arrived. I mean, I bought them, um, mm. and then they didn't arrive, and then mm. the seller because I lodged a it hasn't arrived thing on eBay, and then the seller got the arse with me. Delivery has been attempted three times, blah, 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 and all this stuff, and I'm like, what? And then oh. it, I realised he'd got my address from PayPal, which is an address I haven't lived at for ten years, and so they went back to him, and then they came back to me. You, you will pay the postage again. It was like. All right, mate, whatever. You know what I mean? He was this sort of, like, quite... He was from Charlie. I could have driven there, had I known. Um, So, anyway, they eventually arrived. Mm. Um, By which time it was almost your birthday, and I thought, oh, well, I'll save him for that. Why not? No, no, I really, really do appreciate it. That's a lovely thing. Straight back to being eight with that. um, Oh, yeah. Perfect stuff. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so, yeah, so uh, so obviously there, there was the birthday, there was the toothache. Um, you and I were also involved in a production of Macbeth. Macbeth, um, yes, which I caught this horrible cold I'm still getting over. Thanks for so, that. Yeah. Sorry about that, dear. So, um, in the in the outdoor splendour of a bombed church. Um, so, it's been a hectic couple of weeks, hasn't it? Yes, and the next few are going to be even more hectic. So, uh, strap yourselves in. Oh, yes. um, are they going oh, to be hectic? Yes. I guess so. 
Yes, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so is that it on your nice things? I think that's it on my nice things, yeah. I mean, lots of nice things that'll keep me going for a while. Um, so I, I'm not going to attempt the, the lovely chalky selection uh, of uh, my students uh, with this tooth just yet. I'm going mm, to... Yes, well, tweezers at the ready when you do. Oh, absolutely, yeah, because there's a good chance some of it will get lodged and then I'll be back to smashing my head into the floor. Yes, but, uh, not, yeah. good. Not, no, good. not good. Not, not good. Not good at all. But there we go. No, we're all fine apart from that. So, That's splendid, dear. Isn't it? So, uh, big news-wise, they've cast the new Doctor Who. They've cast the new Doctor Who. Mm. Okay, then. Strong Arms view on Doctor Who. Strong Arms view on the new Doctor Who. I like that. I like that. Well, um... Strongarm has taken, uh, he's gone into a, a new uh, a new path lately. As we okay. enter series series three, Strongarm's Game. Ah. Strongarm, Strongarm's Game is this. Um, I've been enjoying myself this week, loitering uh, around several Facebook websites, because I'm allowed back on now, thank you, um, where, you know, it's a celebration of the 70s and 60s telly. Right. And people post photos and go, huh, do you remember that? With a picture of John Inman, you go, Yes. Piss off all that Spangles and Space Hoppers thing. All 70s Time shit. Machine on Twitter and all that. Hey, does all anyone that. remember Spangles? It's like, yeah. Yes. What do you want me to do about that? What do you? And we both. So what? 10,000 um, likes later. Oh, hateful. But my, my new favourite thing is I scour them slowly because at some point someone will put a picture up of... Of Warren Mitchell until death us do part, or you've got a lovely sort of publicity shot of uh, love thy neighbour or something. And then you just check the comments, and someone at some point down there will, I assure you, will say, huh, "You won't get them showing this anymore." Something, you know, white, le white, lef woke lefties, all that sort of stuff. Mm. They won't show this. So that strong arm then comes into play. Right. Strong arm then makes it his duty to scour the TV listings, discover when this was last on. Find out if it's currently available on DVD, and then send them release, uh, send them links to everything, and say maybe the problem is that you remember this, and you're just saying, "Oh, I haven't watched this lately." Nobody's stopping you. Till hmm. Death of Stu Part was last on BBC Four less than five years ago, for God's sake. What's it called? ITV, I think, four, three? One of them has done a full run of Love Thy Neighbour in the last ten years. What you mean is, I haven't seen this. That's all that you mean, assholes. So that's what Strong Arm's been up to this yeah, week. Yeah, okay. So there are, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. Is there? I um, thought that one was straightforward. No, the, no the, if their point is that it's not been transmitted, right, they, they, they can say that. That's true. My point number one, um, Love Thy Neighbour isn't very good. Sorry, it's not very good. Um, I would suggest that the Doctor series fall into this category as well. You know, mm. beloved though Robin Nedwell and Richard O'Sullivan and George Leighton are in mm. those, um, you know, ve very wildly popular series. Mm. Um, it's not very good. Um, and I would suspect that things like Love Thy Neighbour were potentially last on when things like the Doctor series were last shown by ITV. Is there an ITV3 still? There, there is and four, yeah. Right, well, three was, in my memory, the ones that shown them. Now, right. the the um, the juggernaut that is on the buses seems mm. to be the one they show an awful lot. Um, and Constantly. quite rightly, it's held up. However, I would suggest that in terms of offence, the way that Olive is spoken to in On the Buses is, is far more offensive 
to uh, well just as offensive i would suggest to a modern audience but it somehow gets a free pass so with love thy neighbor um not very good i'm afraid not very good um and i do think a lot of the humor in love thy neighbor um, although it's passed off, I mean, there's that scene in the Man About the House film, isn't there, where Rudolph Walker and Jack Smethurst are in the bar, mm. and uh, and George uh, Roper, Brian Murphy, in the character of George Roper, goes in, "Hey, it's you, in it? I love it when you call him this, that, and the other." And they both turn around, they're having a pint in the LWT bar, and they're like, "That oh, those are just characters, dear boy," mm. you know, and all this sort of thing. Um, yeah. However, um, I don't know. It's always. I've always felt Love Thy Neighbour was a bit distasteful. For me, anyway, it's it's not something I enjoyed. I always felt that there was a lot of playing to the gallery there. But in terms of holding a mirror up to society, which is the function of art, it did it. It did it. Now, here's an interesting one for you, because um, I was I was scouring YouTube recently, looking for out, something to outrage me, and I thought I'd found it. I thought I'd found the perfect thing, um, which was uh, a reaction video. That's where somebody okay. watches something and they react and apparently I'm interested in their reaction. So I thought, well, that'll annoy me. I'm going to give that a go because what I found was a young black chap from America reacts to the first episode of Love Thy Neighbour. Wow, and I thought, okay. Now, I'll either completely agree with him and that'll infuriate me or I'll disagree with him and that'll infuriate me. So I was well up for, no for this. No winning. The problem is he loved it. Yeah. Absolutely pissing his pants all the way through. He genuinely yeah. loved it. Um, pilot episode re- remade as um, uh, series one, episode one, but without Kate. I've forgotten her surname. Oh, playing... Murray. No, it's not... not Kate Murray. It'll come to me. It will. She's in Melody. She's such a good actress. She's in everything. She is. And until she died, she was directing um, at the Italia Conti School. Um, That's right, yes. um, Kate Williams, Kate Williams. That's it. I knew it was a sort of -of run-of-the-mill name. That's it. Um, But she's not in the pilot. The rest of the cast is the same, but they've got a different different lady uh, for Eddie there. Um, But he loved it. Um, So I didn't know what to do there. I was just disappointed. Yeah, well, I mean, I saw a documentary a while back that was about various comedies, and that was one of them. Mm. Um and I can't remember who it was. It was sort of a, you know, a, a celebrity from now, a black celebrity from now saying they loved it when they were kids, you mm. know, um, because Eddie always lost. Well, to be honest, it was the women who always won, wasn't it? Always. They were sort of above the the petty disagreements of yeah. um, Jack Smethurst and Rudolph Walker. Nina Baden-Semper being uh, Rudolph Walker's wife. God, blimey. Oh. Beautiful lady. Um, yes. Yeah, I just, you know, unlike this chap you found on YouTube, I never really found it very funny. I, I thought a lot of those LWT comedies weren't very funny back then. No, they weren't. And that was I one of them. Well, Love Thy Neighbour didn't it manage nine series. I oh, think, and then it went it? to Australia, I think. Yeah, it did, actually. As did yeah. the Doctor series. Yes. I think anything that runs nine series, you're probably getting to the, right, to the end of your run there. I mean, on the buses, series 11, by which time There's no Jack. Uh, sorry, there's no Stan, is there? And Blakey no, ends isn't. up lodging. Yeah. With Stan's family. And then they made that even worse one, didn't they? Don't drink the water where Blakey and his sister go to Spain. Pat Coombs. Yeah. Dreadful. I loved that. Awful. I loved it. I watched that recently. It's so cheap. There's no oh, yeah. money being spent on this at all. 
awful set. I absolutely loved it. Stephen Blakey just going around going, and that's all it is. That was it. There was no script by this point. It was just, (laughs) that's exactly it. That's exactly what it is. I loved it. But I like the fact that Stephen Lewis, um, all through his life, used to carry toy buses in his pocket in case he bumped into any little kids who loved Blakey and he'd give them a little toy bus. Oh, that's wonderful! Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he was—he was—he he was a splendid fellow. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, until death, um, till death has do part. Um, mm. Weird one. Um, mm. Do you remember about 1980? ATV made a series just called, called Till, till death. death. Yeah, yeah. Now that's I, a that's a strange one. That's got a real air of melancholy to mm. it. That the original Johnny Spate series doesn't have. This is still written by Spate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just feels more. Everyone's getting old. Everyone's getting tired. Um, and it Yuna's only son is a suit. punk. In it, that's right. He's yeah. a punk, isn't he? And doesn't he? Sh- he doesn't shave Alf's head because it's shaved. But he falls asleep, and he. I seem to remember him painting a Union Jack on his head. I think that's in there. Yeah. Um, mm. And it doesn't work for some reason. No. And it should, because it's the same actors, it's the same writer. And when they bring it back, of course, for In Sickness and in Health, especially when Dandy Nichols is just in the wheelchair, that's, oh. again, that's back to genius levels of the early black and white ones. It's a great its series, isn't it? But maybe, but, you know, it's, it it's work, production yeah. team. You need your people around you. You do. You need Dennis Main Wilson. I yes, think, you do. Producing you. Everyone needs Dennis Main Wilson. Everyone does. I, I don't know if he produced the ATV series, but... Worth a look as a curio, but you're right. Something about it mm. feels that there's been less love. I don't know. I don't know, but there's less something being given. Yeah, to yeah, there definitely is. In my memory, it's all shot on location. I think it is. So there's that as well. And I have a feeling that is there a laughter track? I have a feeling that might I can't remember. I, I tell you what, in my head, you know, the kids' brain memories work. They all gets mishmashed. In my head, it was on on a Sunday night, and and my head mixes it up with um, Made in Britain, uh, Tim Roth as Trevor the Skinhead, <laughs> that's, because that's a hell of a... because it had a skinhead in it, right? Okay, kid brain, yes, you know what I mean. And if anyone hasn't seen Tim Roth in Made in Britain, it's stunning. I mean, mm. Tim Roth, when you watch that. This young guy, the way he acts in it, you can see why he he's become a Hollywood star. He is astonishing in that. Absolutely, he is astonishing. There's a scene right at the end where he breaks out of the centre where he is. He's he ends up in a remand centre. Oh, and and the brilliant um, what's his name? Uh, Jeffrey, uh, the guy who's in Benadarm died recently. He played Sid James in um, it'll come to me. He plays the copper who comes to speak with him, right? Mm. He's been locked in a room, Trevor, for kicking the chef in the bollocks. And he does this chart drawing on the wall on the wall and he's uh on the board on the wall when he walks in there, is it, Trevor has just chalked the word wankers. And so he walks in this copper. He's like he looks like Jack Regan. Jeffrey, Jeff, it'll come to me anyway. Oh, you can Google if you feel free. I'll have a little Google um, while you talk. <coughs> And he walks into the room with wankers charts on the board and he just picks up the board duster and says, get rid of this, shall we? 
and just wipes it off. And then he draws his life out. He's like, that's how you started here. TDA, taking and driving away, touching a dog's ass, And then you come here. You end up in Magistrate's Court. Your debut. And he goes through all his life and then he, so they send you here. Well, the school don't want to know you. The police don't want to know you. So you end up here. And he... He draws this circle on the board with crosses, points in Trevor's life, you know, nicking and stuff like that, telling the teachers to fuck off. Well, I want you to have a cigarette <laughs> and all this. And he draws this circle with nodes on the board and he's like that, round and round you go. And so this, this sort of, they've sent in this detective guy in an attempt to shock Trevor into changing his ways. Anyway, none of it works. So Trevor breaks out of... Um, the centre that he's been put into. And I remember so much as a kid, him and his mate, this black lad out of the centre that he's with, this massive racist character with a swastika tattooed in the middle of his forehead. You know, his friend in there is this black lad. Um, and they go to a disused swimming baths and they pull a tile or a brick out in the swimming baths and he pulls this little roll of tools out that he then goes and nicks a car with. You know, um, anyway... There's a scene right at the end where he's walking the deserted streets of London and he ends up looking in this window of, like, Debenhams or something like that. And there's a family scene set up, you know, in the dummies and there's a television that's, like, you know, 500 quid and mm. the chair is this price and the clothes are this. You know the, you know how they do window displays. And yeah. it's the happy family one and Trevor's shirtless with the braces on. He's a proper boot boy. But his reaction as an actor, when he's just looking at the happy family scene in, in, in that, it's just, wow. Mm. It's all there on his face. Yeah. You know, we don't, in, in the script, in the exposition, we've heard nothing about his family life. We've heard nothing about whether his parents have broken up. We know, we don't know if he's got a brother and a sister, a pet dog. We know nothing about him. It's all done in that one scene, mm. you know, and it is just brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah Beautiful, so isn't it? itv sunday night did a, a rash of these little plays one of which is called bloody kids mm. uh which is that alan parker Diane? that is alan parker yes yeah yes yes yeah, yes of, yeah yeah he'd just done scum hadn't he that's right yeah um i've not the, seen that but isn't it's it roy it's minton those... the writer yes yeah royal ray yeah so um, he'd just mm. done Scum. The BBC had not decided not to put it out, so he mm -hmm. remade it as a movie. But there's another one called Bloody Kids, uh, which mm. they began shooting with Beckinsale, and he died um, not long after they'd started. So anyway, the kid, Brent, did you find out Jeffrey's name? Mm. Hutchings. Thank you. <coughs> Brilliant in that. Go. Yeah, absolutely Brilliant in wonderful. That. But uh, oh. I think he's in it, Bob Cryer out of the bill. Yeah, that's Eric Richards. Eric Richards is his Eric probation Richards. officer. Yes. Oh, you pissing off on your holidays, Harry? That's oh, what he's called, Harry. Lovely. Little time capsule of, of, of life there. But I would be more aggrieved that that hasn't been on telly for a while. Because if you want to talk about television as art and television mm. as a societal force for change, get beat in that. That held a mirror right up to the late 70s, early 80s with the boot boys and uh, the National Front and all this other business. Television won't go near that anymore. And so, as a result, these things go underground and they fester and they become worse. Mm. 
No, absolutely. You're right. You're right, they do. But of course, what we were talking about was the new Doctor Who. Yes. I'm happy. I don't know how we got to that, but anyway. Don't know. Um, I'm happy. With the casting? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's, I think he'll uh, be good. I think so. Again, there's been, you know, again, strong arm has interjected somewhat um, because you've got you've got both sides shouting at each other, as usual, mm. going, oh, I'm not happy about this casting. Why not? Oh, I don't know. Yes, you do. Just say it. <laughs> do you think other... that's it? Do you think that's it yes. with some people? Yeah, okay. I think it is. I think it is, it is as basic as that. But then you've got people on the other side who probably quite rightly are very excited because they're talking about representation and all that. But I'm in the middle of this going... I've seen some of his work now. Now, this is something I've done. I've paid to watch this chap because I thought, let's have a look. So I've paid for it's on Netflix or one of those. Um, it's called Sex Education. Mm. So obviously I wasn't going to watch that common. But uh, then I got past the title mm. and it's very, very good. You know, It's British. It's very good. Um, and he's superb. He's a superb actor. And I think that, you know, let's just look at that. I don't think Russell T. Davis is going to bollocks this up, to I be don't. honest. I think he's been told, go go right back to the to grassroots. Start it over again like you did in 2005. Mm. Build it from nothing. Um, take it in all these different directions, like they're doing with Star Wars and things like that. Yeah. I think we're getting a bit of that now. Um, but I trust that they've cast the right person who came in and said... The words the best way. I don't believe in this notion that people have got. They go, well, there's a culture of box ticking at the BBC. Is there? Are you saying that from your perspective of someone who works there? No, you've read it. Now fuck off. I can't be doing with that. This all comes from one thing in the Daily Mail about three years ago, because the BBC were putting up for an apprentice, and they said they were particularly interested in hearing from people from um, uh, black, Asian, minority, whatever backgrounds. But it was for. Um, it was for a, a, a sub-editor on the BBC Asian network. So fair enough. That made sense. But the male got hold of that and suddenly, well, you can only get the job if you tick the box. And that's become a trope. Mm. And it's horse shit. And that sort of thing is unhelpful. All these lies. Bullshit. Anyway. I tend to think that... You see, you've just shown us those Doctor Who specials from when we were kids. Mm. The, the merchandise was very thin on the ground when we were kids. It wasn't yeah. the commercial juggernaut that it is now, Doctor Who. No, no. Um, and I think Russell T. Davis has been placed back in charge because over the last couple of years, I've no idea when it started. Um, I mean, uh, you know, if you look at the internet, a lot of people blame uh, Chibnall uh, for, for the decline in the sort of uh, mercantile aspect mm. of the business because the toys aren't selling as much and the ratings are right down and all this other business. So he's been brought in as a sort of John Harvey Jones troubleshooter. Yeah, um, I think in that scenario, you wouldn't cast anyone who wasn't capable because there's mm. just too much money at stake. There That's really my is. opinion. I kind of trust his judgment. Um, mm. I was never a fan of... David Tennant, to be quite honest no. with you, not you know, uh, wildly popular. So I'm wrong. Well, I'm wildly totally popular, wrong. R- wildly popular with the kids, ultimately. Exactly. And but he who, knew what he was doing, didn't he? 
he knew what he was doing when he when he was doing all that. And I think that the key thing there, which again, which is why sometimes I get a little bit frustrated with this, is I think, well, maybe it's just not being made for you at the moment. Well, it is. Maybe it's that. It so, was always made for kids. Always made for kids. And there are times when you look across its 60-year run where I think, love Verity Lambert, love Philip Hinchcliffe. These other producers' runs, John Wiles, not that keen, actually. That sort of... But it doesn't matter. Just hold on, and another one will come around. You don't need to get so cross. Calm down. Well, if you do get cross, there's bits you don't have to watch anyway. You know, I don't own any Sylvester McCoy. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Sylvester McCoy, 10 years hence, would have been brilliant in the role. Um, but he didn't work for me, and a lot of that was due to the excesses of John Nathan Turner, which were out of control by that point. A lot of it was due to the constraints of the management, and a lot of it was due to like casting like Ken Dodd and Bonnie Langford and stuff. But a, but a lot of it will also be down to the fact that you were what two, three, four, five, six. So you were fifteen at that point. Maybe you were just a, a year too old for it. Could be that. that the show the show was aimed at intelligent fourteen year olds. Oh no, I was I was out. Re- yeah, I was never that. I might have been 14, but I wouldn't have said that. Um, I was outraged when they got rid of Colin Baker. I, I really loved Colin Baker's casting. Um, but, um, no, the bottom line is, I don't think he would have cast anyone who isn't capable of doing it. I actually think it's a good shout um, to get RTD so. back in, to let him have free reign. Um, I, I, If I was still a watcher and a viewer, I'd be very excited. I'm, I am excited about what's to come because I know that he's going to create, as he, in his own words, the Who-niverse with mm. lots of different flavours of Doctor Who. You know, yeah. you may get something along the lines of, I mean, can you imagine if he decides to make a couple of movies with Paul McGann or if he decides to, you know what, why don't we do a, a silly special with Peter Davison or something like that? There you go. Yeah. Who knows what he's going to do, you know, no pun intended. But um, I think he will have chosen. I think that people, even the naysayers, will probably be won over because I think the guy is capable. And to be honest with you, it's a, it's it's one of those jobs that's going to take, you know, I, I like him or love him, like him or love him, David Tennant did a fucking hell of a job. Mm-hmm. A hell of a job. I was mm-hmm. wrong, um, clearly. Um, so it, it needs to be. People going about... Eccleston's importance in um, revamping who I think mm. the casting of um, David Tennant was far more important. Oh God, yeah. And this I casting absolutely. now is super important. And I doubt, this is my opinion, I doubt it would be done as any form of box ticking exercise. No, it's I don't too it important. It is. It, it really is. In this age, when ratings are important. You know, I know people are saying, well, it's all streaming these days. But at the end of the day, what matters is public perception. Nobody, no newspaper is going to run um, a story on streaming figures because they're normally accumulated over six or 12 months. They want that immediate hit. Yeah. What are the overnight the figures? They're shit. Um, you know, even that last one that I didn't like, it was the third most watched thing of the day. That's not bad. For a failing mm. show, but that's when you get when you've added all your figures up over the over the couple. But of the weeks. one thing I think is more important to them is things like toy sales and stuff like I that. I think so, yeah. And I that has so. been on the decline. I mean, if if box sets of the sensor rights are outstripping contemporary, well, I mean that just blows my mind. Yeah. Um, seeing as we're on the subject of it, anyway, so yeah, uh, yeah. I think we both uh, think he'll be all right, but we'll we'll wait and see. I suppose. Mm. Um, mm. You know, it's when rage people who hate us talk about Doctor 
Doctor Who Season 17 box set. There we go. Mm. Uh, the aforementioned scene, the, the sort of, inf not infamous, the, the famous scene with Cleese and uh, Eleanor Brown. God, how can I not remember Eleanor Brown's name? Uh, yeah. The beautiful Eleanor Brown. Um, oh, yes. The sister of Jerry Brown, who was the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band's manager. Uh, both of them members of the Bron family who were in music publishing from the 18th century, I believe, Neil told me. Mm. And Jerry running the Bronze label. Um, so, um, season 17, um, yeah, not for me. Never been for me. I tried. Mm. I, I, I sort of, I, I love the patina of it. And it's yeah. interesting, the contrast between season 17 and 18, because you've got a, a sort of quite well-fed looking uh, Tom in season yeah. 17 but it for me it's firstly trying too hard and secondly it, it's too posh dear it's too self-congratulatory it's too undergraduate that sort of sharder excess mm -hmm. is kind of it's a lot of people having a lot of fun and indulging themselves really it is adored it's absolutely adored but it's it's not for me no, no, that's fair enough. I, I remember this series very well. It went out when I was, um, where are we, 79? Yeah, 79. Yeah. So I was four, and I remember that this is when I really started to watch this programme, and I, I adored being scared by it at this point. And during this season, this is where the creature from the pit appears, this great big green thing with a sort of a penis sticking out of its face that yeah. Tom blows into rather a lot. And I loved being terrified of this monster um, at the end of an episode and literally cowering from it. And my dad, to try and protect me, I recall saying, it's just a plastic bag, that. They've just blown that up with air. Yeah. That ruined it a little. Um, but I remember being scared by it. I was the right age to be scared of it. As a fan, as a, as a viewer now, yeah... It is a bit self-indulgent. It is. Yeah. But yeah, the ratings were huge. People loved it. Oh, well, the ITV strike was on, wasn't it? That helped. Absolutely. So that helped, absolutely. That was a good moment in British broadcasting. ITV going off her. Well, yes, you'd have enjoyed that greatly. But anyway, yeah. season 17, I think, is, is, is kind of... You know, City of Death is always held up by a certain portion of fandom as being the peak of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm. well... Mm, not really, yeah. not for me. No, fair enough. I mean, um, you know, you're only a series away from things getting very serious. Um, yeah. In season 18, which I know you love. I adore um, it, yeah. No, this lovely time capsule of silliness, isn't it? And you're right, the scene with uh, <coughs> John Cleese and Eleanor Brown as a couple of art critics discussing the TARDIS that's landed in the Louvre, mm. um, talking about it abstract, and, and the very point of it is the fact that it is here, which is pointless, and all this... Yeah. Lovely stuff. But what I love most of all with that is that I love the fact that there's a there's an outtake, a Christmas tape, isn't there? Yeah. Where, which they also shot where uh, Tom Baker gets asked by John Cleese, uh, could he sign a photograph for his nephew? And Tom Baker goes, oh, I don't seem to have a pen. So Cleese searches and goes, oh, no, I haven't got a pen either. Oh, well, it, it doesn't matter. I'll just say you signed it because he's blind anyway. So it's just lovely. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely On Christmas lovely. VT. Yeah, lovely stuff. So, yeah, I, I can forgive it anything because it gives us that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've not got too much into the box set yet, but, you know, mm. Destiny of the Daleks is a, is a strange one because it's directed by, you know, Ken Gritty Grieve, mm. which is, is, is interesting. You know, uh, Ken, who was a, another prodigious boozer, um, you know, did directed some of the nicest um, Sherlock Granada Sherlock Holmes, 
you know he was that kind of director so it it looks exquisite you know in terms of composition and angles and shots it does but it looks cheap it well. is and cheap I think that's a key thing about this season yeah. is it does feel uh, I don't know. I think you've got two factors, haven't you? First, you've got the fact that in the late 70s, inflation is up here and yeah. budgets on everything are being cut. So this is really, I think, Doctor Who at its cheapest, Yeah. Um, really. So it, it doesn't look great in terms of how much cash was spent on it. So I think you've got that element that you have to acknowledge with this. Um, but I, I, I think also... I think also with it, you've got you have got that self indulgence, as you were saying. They're having a lot of fun, and I think that's shown in things like City of Death, because presumably all the money for the season went on going to Paris Most for a few them. days, yeah, and then going to Cambridge for a week or so for Sharda. That was never shown anyway. So yeah. I think they spent the cash at both ends of the season, and then went. Mm, it's all studio from now on. Yeah. So there is a little bit of a cheap thing. We don't have that Philip Hinchcliffe thing of spreading the cash out. No, and Tom's loved up and Lala's loved up in this season and then in the next season it's kind of like they've fallen out and you know Won't look at each other. No, no. So it's very different but Tom looks uh in in the pink in that season doesn't he? Like I say he he's does. got a bit of a chubby face which is very unusual for that period of his life. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's still you know, it's still worth 10 of what's going on these days, it's I'm afraid, so on the television. So, nice things in the week ahead, dear boy. Nice things in the week ahead. Well, I think you and I have got a busy week, haven't we? We've got, yes. uh, we are not happy. Got no. Very, very, <laughs> it's so busy. Uh, but we will be back next week. We're not going to have another week off. We shall. We shall we'll be back through. next week. And uh, we hopefully we'll be relaunching um around about june with some mm. uh, rather nice new things so we, stay we tuned have some for that nice one. things for new things not new things for nice things even jesus christ I'm yes <laughs> well uh, the phone call to mr gates obviously worked he's not kicked us off this time um, god knows how long this one is uh but you know we've, we've had a ramble we had a ramble. Had a ramble. Had a ramble. Under the city. Yes. We did. Lovely. Yes. yes. Right. Then all that remains is for us to wish you a lovely week ahead. And we hope mm -hmm. you have lots of nice things and have a great time. And until the next time. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs>